0: Welcome to the Sermon Series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we wanna do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. We're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, and and sometimes I go a little too fast on this. If you don't have a Bible with you, or you don't own a Bible, or you just want to borrow a Bible, can you just raise your hand real quick? Because here's the thing, I love the challenge as we're going through this series. If you don't own a Bible, we want to give you this Bible that you can have. You can have it. And let it just be your starter Bible. Let it be the, the Bible that you just go, okay, this is my first Bible, but I want you to get into it. I want you to follow along with us, and so if you don't have a Bible with you right now, I'd love for you to get that. Because here's the thing: how do you know I'm telling the truth? <laughs> Anyways, but also you can go the U version app. I love it. The Bible app. And, and in fact, if you click on the more tab in the events, you'll see Life Church Green Bay and all the notes and scriptures are going to be there for you to follow along in that. And there's some great plans. I love the Bible app. So if you're watching online, so glad you're here. And I'm so glad you guys are here as we start in this new series called Summer on the Mount. And before I jump into that, I, I, you probably noticed as you're coming in a little fun design that my friend Nick made. And, and on it are these cards. And these are some invite cards that just say something like, try something new, you're welcome here, I'm saving you a seat. And I really challenge you, I don't want you to grab a handful of these and put them on car doors. Like, I want you to just grab three. I challenge all of you just to grab three. Maybe grab all three of these, because what I found out is 82% of people will attend church when they're personally asked. So it's one thing to just go up to someone and put it on doorsteps, and like, get this out of here. But if you personally ask someone, they say eight, there's an 82% chance that they'll come. So I actually, I have three people in mind that I'm going to give these to. And so let's just start with three. Doesn't have to be the, the, the three different ones. You could just do three of the same, but let's just do three. And this week, let's challenge ourselves, even in Fourth July weekend, to say, you know what, I want to invite someone to come and be a part of this series that we're starting next week. And so a series, yes, like my wife said, is called Summer on the Mount. And this series, we're going to be going through the summer and talking about the Sermon on the Mount, that you see in Matthew's chapter five, six, and seven, and if you look at the book of Matthew, before we get to chapter five, we get to see some amazing things that Jesus does. Like for example, he, he's publicly baptized, and we they, the Bible says there a loud voice comes from above saying, "This is my son who I love," and they, so people are publicly hear that. And then right after that, the Bible says that Jesus goes for forty days and fasts and gets tempted by the devil three times. And when he gets back, the scripture says that he came and he started teaching the good news and healing people of various diseases, sufferings, demon possessions, and physical issues. And this got Jesus a lot of attention. I mean, if you saw someone you knew who was, who was uh, crippled for their whole life and got healed by this man, you'd wanna know more about him. So the Bible says that many regions started to follow him and he started to get a lot of followers who wanted to know more about him. So Jesus takes this opportunity to speak truth into their lives that would shock them to their core because some of the things that Jesus says went against everything they were told to do and believe. And he could have done this in a synagogue. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, you see that he does teach in a synagogue. And, you know, he could have gone to the lake shore and taught on a boat. But we see that he goes and chooses a mountain. And I don't think the mountain's coincidental. Because if you look throughout the Bible, you'll see some amazing things happen on a mountain. In fact, Genesis 22, 2 says, Then God said to Abraham, Take your son your only son, I love that phrasing, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So Jesus, I mean, uh, God tests Abraham's faith and says, hey, I want you to sacrifice your only son, but he also gives us a picture of what he's going to eventually do. That he's going to give his only son as a sacrifice for us. But he tests Abraham's faith and he does it on a mountain. In First Kings chapter 18, we see one of the coolest stories, in my opinion, happen. Where, where uh, it says, now summon the people all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. This is Elijah saying this. And bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And what you see in First Kings is this battle on the power of God. And it's between God and the 850 prophets of Baal. And this happens on a mountain. And then in Exodus chapter 34, which a lot of us are familiar with in verses one and two, it says, "'The Lord said to Moses, "'Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, "'and I'll write them the words that were on the first tablets, "'which you broke. "'Be ready in the morning, "'and then come up to the Mount Sinai. "'Present yourself to me there on the mountain.'" So this is the second time, because if you read in Exodus, he went up, God gave him the testimony, he gave him everything he wanted to say, but when he comes down, all the people are worshiping a golden calf, and he gets mad and he breaks them. And so God's like, all right, come back up, and come back up to the mountain so that I could give you words of wisdom to give to the people. So he goes up and he does exactly what it says and shows them he is a true God. So the mountain... It's important because it symbolizes to be closer to God. This is a place where people worship God and receive revelation from God. And this is where Jesus goes to speak probably the best message ever. A message that has statements that mess with the culture in Jesus' time. So throughout the summer, we're going to be diving in this Sermon on the Mount. But before we get to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, I think it's important that we prepare our hearts and minds to receive what Jesus has to say in a message I'm calling Decoder Lenses. Can we pray? Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Just speak your word. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that in this opportunity, we would do more than just listen to your word. But Lord, we'd be obedient to your word. We would surrender to your word. And we'd be forever changed by your word. So, Lord, I pray you be with this service. I pray, Lord, that we would not keep what we heard and experienced here, but we take it out to this world who needs it more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? amen. Okay, cool. I just, maybe it was my ears. So, uh, about three years ago, uh, I, um, I bought something called a top secret book for our kids' ministry store that we call uh, Kidtopia. And how Kidtopia works is, is, you know, they would come in and they bring their Bible, they tell one of the leaders a memory verse, they tell them a biblical truth that we call a big answer, they'll get points that they put on a point card. And then once they get enough points to buy things, they can buy something like this. Now you might be going like, do kids really want this? I'm not sure. But personally, I love this as a kid. Like a top secret book, Spy Gear, I'm in. Like this is amazing. And what I love about this, this book and actually the, the history behind decoder glasses is it started off as 3D glasses, but then they found that if you did one of the same color, that you could actually find something in there. And so uh, I, I, in this book, I kind of wrote something, I'm going to show you a picture real quick. And so I wrote a message and I mean, you could kind of see it a little bit. I mean, if we put it up there long enough, some of you will be like, I think I got it. And you maybe got like 80%, maybe. But for the most part, we see just a lot of red and white and maybe some blue in there. But when you put on the glasses, which I'm so glad they still fit in my head. When I look at it, it's clear. And even as you see with this next picture, you can see some of the words stick out a little more than they did before. And the science behind this is this. Without the glasses, our eyes will focus on the red and the white. It just gets our attention. But when you put the glasses on, when you put these special lenses on, what it does is it removes that filter and it lets the thing behind the filter pop up. Now, I think that's so important because for some of us, when we look at this word, I wonder if some of us look at it through the filter of human nature and opinion, and not the lens of context and culture. That when we look at this word, we go, Oh, I don't know if I'm looking at this right. I honestly I wonder if that's why some of us have a hard time getting in this book. Because when we look at it, we're not em- empowered, we're discouraged. And I wonder if we're just looking at it in the wrong filter. And that's why I want to jump ahead in Matthew chapter 5. I want to jump ahead in Matthew chapter 5, because I believe as we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we're looking at some of the things Jesus is going to teach us, I think we have to do it with the right lens, that we cannot have a filter on it, but we have to look at the way Jesus intended for us to look at it. So I'm going to read in verse 17, and it says this, and this is Jesus talking. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you, certainly, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So looking at these verses, I think there are two lenses that we need to look through. Kind of like when the 3D glasses change from two colors to one color to really get the full picture. I think for us, when we're looking at the scripture and looking at these verses, there are two lenses that we need to look through when it comes to reading the law, but also reading the teachings of Jesus. And here's the first one. I can't fulfill the law. That has to be so important. I can't fulfill the law. Verse 20 says, If our righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But let's talk about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Pharisees were members of a movement gathering people to devote themselves to the extreme detail of both the Old Testament law and the still developing legal traditions. And teachers of the law, or some of our Bibles will say scribes, were professional students and leaders of the law. And these groups, they were highly devoted to the law, to every detail. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, we see a, a frustrated Jesus say, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. See, he says, you guys are so detailed. These were people that crossed every T, dotted every I. And then Jesus says, even though they do this, your righteousness needs to be better than theirs if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the reality is, as we're getting into this series, you'll see that Jesus says things that are impossible for us to achieve to the point where we wonder, Jesus, are you trying to raise a bar so high that we can't reach it? And I think Jesus is like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. That's the point. Because Jesus knows we can't fulfill the law, but he's fulfilled the law. The word fulfill actually is the word parosia, which is to accomplish, obey, to bring out the full meaning, to complete. So, Jesus doesn't want you to go and try to achieve the law. He wants you to go to Him. So, when you understand, I can't fulfill the law, but He's fulfilled the law, so therefore I'm gonna to go to Him. And that's what we see in 2 Corinthians 5 21, where Paul says, For our sake, He made Him, so God made Jesus to be sin, meaning to be the necessary sin offering, who knew no sin, so that in him, not our achievements, not our good deeds, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So because Jesus took our place, we are in right standing with God. So everything people would do as a sin offering, they would do that for their sins. But Jesus became that ultimate sacrifice. He became the one and for all things to become that ultimate thing. And that's why in verse 20, he's trying to get people to understand that I can't fulfill the law, but Jesus can, and he will, and he did. So that lens is so important when it comes to reading the scriptures and the law and the book is understanding I can't fulfill the law. But here's the second lens that we need to understand too. I can't fulfill the law, but I can't ignore the law. I can't fulfill it, but I can't ignore it. Verse 17, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He's talking about every law that was in the Old Testament. Don't think I've come to abolish them. I've not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. I've come to complete them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, up until this point, people actually started to believe that maybe this guy is coming to abolish the law. Because he kind of had this radical attitude towards a Sabbath, towards laws of uncleanliness. So maybe they're like, okay, oh, hey, they, maybe this dude is coming to get rid of the law. But he wasn't. He even says, until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen. What he's saying is, what makes an O a Q? It's that little stroke. So he's saying, I'm not even going to remove the, a little stroke the word. I'm not going to remove even a little letter. I'm not going to change anything in the law. It's going to stand exactly how it stands. And when he says the law, he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. But what you'll find out as you're reading the Old Testament, they start with 10, and then they rebelled, and they had to get more laws. And then they rebelled, and they had to get more laws. And then they rebelled, and they had to get more laws. And it went from 10 to 613. Like, I could just pitch them, like, all right, all right, what, okay, a new one? Okay, cool, 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 cool. And I know, some of you guys, I'm just, you're looking at me right now, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me I can't fulfill the law, but I can't ignore the law. I don't even know if I know all the laws. In fact, Pastor Dallas, I don't even know if I know the Ten Commandments. I might know two. It's all right. But here's the beauty of it. I love that Paul uh, Paul actually talks in Romans chapter 6 about this. He talks about our position, our posture that we have to have when we have these two lenses on. Because I know for some of us, when I'm saying this right now, you're kind of looking at it like this and you put it on and you go, oh, I don't know if I am comfortable like this. I don't know if I can get used to this. I'm not sure if this is the lens I would want to see God's word like. Or, I have been doing this most of my life without the lens. And now you're saying I need to put a lens on? Yes, because Romans chapter six talks about this in verse 12 and 18. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely, which I love the word completely because we know the word fulfill means to complete, completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14 says, sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under requirements of the law. That's where the sin offering comes in. We're not under those requirements because of Jesus he became the ultimate sacrifice so therefore we don't have to make sacrifices anymore. We just have to go to him. You live under the freedom of God's grace. And then I love verse 15. Well then, Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean you can go on sinning? And it says, of course not! There's an exclamation point. (laughs) Don't you realize you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You could be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you could choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin... But now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you're free from the slavery of sin and you become slaves to righteous living. So we can live out obeying the laws given to us by God when we complete our lives knowing that he's fulfilled it. So therefore, I'm going to him and I'm giving him all of me. I'm giving him my complete body, my complete life. Everything that's in me is him. So when I read the word, I stop looking at it as laws and rules that I have to work hard to achieve. But I start to look at them as qualities that Jesus wants to birth out of me. And I need to submit to him. And I know sometimes we look at these laws and we look at these rules and we look at these things that the, the prophets and the teachers will tell us to not go to and to not do and we look discouraged by that. But God's saying, I need you to have a new lens that when you see that, instead of being discouraged and feeling like you cannot match up, go to Jesus who's fulfilled it and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm walking in the word that it says like this. This is my lifestyle, but I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm surrendering you and I'm allowing you to get this out of me. Here's what I love about that. Now, there's going to be times, I'm not, I don't want to say that God can't instantly transform people. I believe he can. But there's times when we go to God and we submit to him and say, God, not my will, but your will. God, I know that th- I'm living what this word says not to do, so I submit to you. And you know what I love? Is God will say, okay, not just I'll remove it but I'll show you the root behind it. What got me to this place? What got me to this thinking? What got me to this addiction? What got me to this lifestyle? And God will be gonna reveal some things that he wants to de-root out of us if we let him. That's why it's so important that when we read the word, we go to him afterwards, we go to him before. That's why it's so important that when we see these lyrics and and, and that we find are biblical, we worship through them, we talk through them, because what we're saying is, God, I don't wanna just read that, I wanna believe that, I wanna apply that, I want that to be a part of my life. So God, I can't achieve that, but I'm not gonna ignore it, so I'm gonna let you in to do what you need to do. I'm going to let you speak through me. I'm going to let you birth it out of me. I'm telling you, God wants to transform your life in ways that you don't think is possible. And that's the point. God doesn't want you to get even a little bit of credit. Wow, you're different. What's going on? Well, I started now. I surrendered to him. I don't know how I got to this point, but I gave him Everything. And I'm not skipping in this law. I'm not skipping in this book. In fact, I'm more encouraged to read the book because when it says things like, if you look at someone lustfully in your eyes, you've already committed adultery, instead of be discouraged, going, okay, God, help me, I give my eyes to you. Do what you need to do, help me. And he'll begin to speak. Here's the thing, though. He's gonna speak to you. It may not be audibly like when Jesus was baptized, but you'll know. And all you need to do is obey. How do I know this? Because it happened to me on Friday. <laughs> I'm praying. I said, God, whatever is in my life that I need to take it out, tell me. And he instantly said, stop listening to those podcasts. And I said, w-. and I almost questioned it. I said, no, because my God's not slow. Like my God's not like, hold on a second. Hold, uh, hold. He's not like grandpa. Like, uh, hold on, hold on. He instantly said, stop listening to those things. I said, all right. Unsubscribed. Not doing it. Because I believe it's God. Why do I believe it's from God? Because I didn't want to do it. I didn't. If it was for me, I'd be like, uh, eat more cake. Like, like, all right. Yes, Lord. Like. <laughs> but I knew. So it's one thing to position ourselves and say, God, what do you need to do in me? But when he tells you, and he will because he loves you, And he doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. He doesn't want you to be a uh, sin to be your master. He doesn't want you to be apart from him. He wants you to be in right standing with him. He will speak to you. We just need to obey. So when we read this word, we go, oh, this word's convicting me. Conviction's good. Because it shouldn't make you go, oh, if anything, it shouldn't make you close it. It should make you open it, stop, and pray. God, I am convicted by your word, and that just reminds me that I need to go to you because I can't fulfill this. But I thank God that you fulfilled it, that you took care of it, that it's now complete in you. So when I read every stroke, everything that I don't agree with, that the world doesn't agree with, that some people are like, does the Bible really say that? We don't go, yeah, so listen to it. No, 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 don't do that. But you need to read it and go, ooh, okay, I need to go to him. Ugh, okay, I need to go him. Conviction is not bad, church. It's not bad. It's just God guiding you in the right direction. It's God helping you like my son the other day. We were getting donuts, this is what we do on Saturdays, and he was staring at the donuts so much that he almost ran into three cars. Three. And I kept going, son, 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 son. No, no, no. He, huh? he, I ate three times. That's all conviction is. Hey, 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 hey. Don't, you're gonna run into that. Hey, 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 you're going to go back to that. Hey, 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 you're going to think that. Hey, 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 hey. And sometimes we go, I don't really like the way I feel. because it's, it's God going, I want to stay connected with you. But I can't force myself on you. So I'm just, I really want you to listen to me. Because I know your thoughts. I know your desires. I know the path I want to take you on. And if you obey, it's going to be great. But I can't make you come. I can only just guide you to come. Make this path straight for you. So we have to remove the mindset of I'll do it and start walking in he's done it. When we read the word, when we read the Sermon on the Mount and he says things that even the people are like, what did you just say? I know God's gonna, we're gonna say the same thing. Excuse me, what was that? So instead of saying I'll do it, just say you know what, he's done it and I'm gonna surrender to it. Here's what I wanna close with. I actually wanna close with a scripture that I think will help us to go to God continually. Because when Paul says, give your lives completely to God, it's not just a one-time thing. We're gonna have to do it continually. We're gonna have to continually, probably multiple times a day, go to God, say, God, I give my life completely to you, and obey afterwards. And there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, where a Pharisee or a religious teacher comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now again, when he's saying this, he's not saying the 10, he's saying the 613. And he's saying this to find out, one, do you know all the 613? And two, how much time is it gonna take for you to figure out which one's the best? Because he's hoping that he'll be like, uh, this one, like, wrong! But then Jesus, because he's Jesus, he's the son of God. He's the wisest person in the entire universe. He says in verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest command. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, which he talks about in chapter five, that I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill them. He says, all the law, all the prophets, hang on these two things. So when I know and I submit that I'm gonna walk every day knowing I can't fulfill the law but I can't ignore the law, the best thing I can do is every day I'm gonna choose to love God with everything in me. Because if you think about it, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's the very nature of man is those three things. So he's saying you need to give God every, you need to love him with everything in you. So that every day, multiple times a day, you say, God, I give you my heart, I give you my mind, I give you my words, I give you my eyes, I give you my feet, I give you everything because I want to love you with everything in me. Now, sometimes we think now we have to love our neighbors next, no, no, no. It says, as you love yourself. So therefore, we need to every day love God with everything in us, love ourselves the way God loves us, because he loved us enough to die for us. And it says, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he do that? Because it's not our actions, it's who we are. And he says, I want to love you, and I need you to love yourself the way I love you. And then it says we need to love our neighbors, which there's no restriction on that. That's enemies too. That's people who you want to have dead in your life. That if a bus hit them, you wouldn't Bad and I, he says, I want you to love them the same way you love yourself. And if we can do this every single day, if we say, God, you get all of me, not part of me. You get every part of me, not just some of me. I'm giving you everything. You're more than just a piece of jewelry, you're my entire life. So I'm going to love you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. And, and I believe when I do that and I surrender to that and I'll obey that, he will help me and he will birth out of me a love for myself that will power me to love others just the same. That's the lens that I think we need to go into every time we look at his word, every time we come to prayer, every time we come into worship. And here's what's great about this. Some of you think that this this new way of, of living, that th- this new lens in your life means that your, your faith is gonna be like this. What's wrong with you? Oh, I gave myself completely to God now. You all right? Yeah, he just, he has all of me. No. Your life will be forever transformed. Your life will be ever, forever changed because the reality is we think some things that weigh us down is God no it's the sin that we are slaves to and God's saying I did everything and took care of everything to set you free so therefore take the shackles off walk with me give yourself completely to me and see what I can do in your life see how I can transform you that's why one of my favorite scriptures it says we're a new creation in Christ the old is gone the new is begun he wants you to walk in that transformed new life And we do that by every day saying, I can't fulfill the law, but he can. So I'm gonna welcome him in. But every time I read the law, I'm not gonna ignore it. I'm not gonna close it off, but I'm gonna continue to go to him. I'm telling you, it's gonna make you a person you didn't think was possible. It's gonna turn you into a believer that people are gonna be like, I want what he has. Can I tell you also, it'll, it'll make passing these out a lot easier too because they're going, okay, I want to go where you're going that changed you the way you're changed. Again, it's not a building, it's just we're doing in the building. God wants to transform your life, but he'll never force you, he'll never make you. All he wants to do is invite you and guide you. Can we pray? And that's what salvation is. Salvation is the start of a transformed life. It's where you realize that yes, I have sinned. I have fallen short. But there's a God who hasn't sinned. And he became sin so that I can walk into freedom. But again, salvation is not something that we just get because we showed up. Salvation isn't just something that we get because we thought about it. It's confessing and professing. It's confessing that you know what, I've fallen short. I am a sinner. I am, a, I, I am walking in the slavery of sin, but I believe he became the ultimate sacrifice to set me free so that I can be a slave to righteous living. So with everyone head bowed, eyes closed, why am I doing this? Not because anyone's gonna chase you or jump on you. I want you to have a one-on-one moment with Jesus. I want you to go beyond just knowing him or knowing about him. I want you to have a relationship with him So that when I say every day we need to go to him, you can now because you're in relationship with him. And he's going to begin to speak to you because you've welcomed him into his life. You've asked him to be his Lord and savior. And why do we say those? Because Lord means I'm gonna give you control. I'm not just gonna say come. No, I I want you to come in my life and take control of my life because without you, I know I'm just gonna go in one direction, but with you, I'm gonna go on a path that is straight. So with every head bowed, that's you, we're gonna do one of two things. In a moment, we're gonna just ask you to make that confession profession by just raise your hand looking at me, being public and say, that's me. I wanna go beyond just knowing him. I want a relationship with him. I want him to have control of my life. And then together, we're gonna to say a prayer. Nothing magical about it. It's just something that we are professing, that we're accepting, that we're allowing. And when we say it from our heart, the transformation, I believe, will begin to start in our lives. So if that's you and you're saying, no, I've never done that, or maybe I thought I did that, this isn't a confessional thing either. If you had a bad week, I'm not saying you need to give your life to Jesus again. You just keep going to Jesus. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and you wanna do that right now, can you just have you put up your hands real quick and look at me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on. This is anything to be embarrassed about. This is nothing to be ashamed about. Thank you, thank you. This is just letting him come in and do what he needs to do in our lives. Forever transform us and change us. Anyone else? All right, church, let's, let's say this prayer together. Say, dear God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let my ways be your ways. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there's a couple things we wanna help you because here's the thing, doing that prayer is just step one. It doesn't magically change. We wanna help you on your Jesus journey and so Miss Megan's gonna come and talk about that but I wanna pray with you guys one more time. I want you to bow your heads real quick because maybe you're in here and you say, I am a Jesus person. Like, I love Jesus, but I've been trying to fulfill the laws on my own. And I need to surrender my life completely to Jesus, who has fulfilled all things. I need to stop trying to think that I can do it and surrender to who he has done. If that's you, can I just have you raise your hands real quick? Lord, I thank you for these hands who are not going to try to do things on their own anymore, Lord, but they're going to you and all things. Lord, they're going to give their lives completely to you in the name of Jesus so that you can come and you can change and you can transform and you can make new. So, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that whatever they're feeling, Lord, they will surrender to you. And Lord, whatever they're experiencing, they would not leave it in this room. But Lord, they would go out into this world and let people see what you want you are doing in their life. Lord, change us, transform us. Lord, fulfill, Lord, what you did on the cross in us. We're not doing it our way anymore. We're surrendering completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. <laughs>